0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at Wise.com. Today on State of the World, what will Gaza be like after the war is over? Thanks for listening to State of the World from NPR. We bring you the day's most vital international stories up close where they're happening. It's Wednesday, February 7th. I'm Greg Dixon. The war between Israel and Hamas has caused a devastating loss of life on both sides. And the physical destruction in Gaza is staggering. Countless homes, businesses, and other buildings have been destroyed. With the war still raging, it can be hard to try to imagine what a future post-war Gaza will look like. Or feel like. And Pierre's Leila Fadel has been speaking to some Palestinians from Gaza who are looking ahead to a time after the fighting stops. And we're going to hear three of those conversations now. We'll learn about how long rebuilding might take from a humanitarian and hear of hopes for the future of arts and culture from a musician. First, with so many buildings partially or fully destroyed, what will a future Gaza look like? Leila spoke to Yara Sharif, a Palestinian architect in London. She's co-founder of the Palestine Regeneration Team and Architects for Gaza.
1: Over 60% of the buildings in Gaza have been destroyed. But it's also the heritage, the culture, the collective memory. So it's important for us to rethink how to rebuild, how to accommodate one of the highest densely populated spots on Earth. Do we go vertical? Do we go horizontal? You've got an urban fabric, you've got a coastal fabric, you've got a rural fabric. Each one requires a different way of looking at it. If you could say more about that and whether you can rebuild what is lost when it comes to the collective memory of a place. historic buildings have been destroyed, but also there is kind of a cultural social practices within the neighborhoods that have been taking place that we lost. The culture of living on the roof, the culture of... The bamboo huts that the Gozans are very famous for, the informal market that is on the beach with its corn and barbecue, a very important, very little details of every day. With this destruction, we have lost a lot of those aspects because also the visual memory has been overtaken by images of destruction and ruins and nothingness. At least we need to be aware of what we've lost. Maybe we need to even mark those spaces that have been lost that we will never be able to reclaim. What do you envision if you could have what you wanted in a future Gaza? I don't think it is fair for anyone to come and kind of dictate a top-down plan to say, okay, this is the future of Gaza, this has to be done. When we think about reconstruction, we were thinking about innovative building materials, but maybe also build on the creative initiatives that the local residents have already been doing. Gazans have been very creative. They've already tested out a lot of innovative materials that are sustainable and more responsive to the climate and to the daily practices, but also to the difficulties of the siege. We need to bear those in mind, like how could we work without cement? How could we work with earth? How could we work with clay? All these are aspects that the Gazans have already thought about.
2: You were saying sustainable materials in creative ways, partly because things like cement are subject to blockade and you can't get them in to build.
1: Yes, cement is not allowed. It has not been allowed. But also there is another aspect is that the city is left in ruins and we should equally see ruins as a building material. Mm. Whether it is the reconstruction bars from the damaged concrete buildings to the corrugated metals from the refugee camp, the bricks, everything that we could get hold of becomes a building material that either can work towards rebuilding home or towards rebuilding schools.
2: But Sharif says she's worried about permanent displacement. She's seen far-right-wing Israelis post about resettling Gaza. A conference was even held a few days ago that far-right government ministers attended, calling for just that. Now, the prime minister of Israel, though, says there will be no permanent presence, although he wants Israel to control security.
1: I'm very scared that you see a lot of these settler colonial projects that are putting up schemes for erasing the city and starting with these kind of new resorts. She says any reconstruction in Gaza must be led by Palestinians who live there. Any scheme that is going to come from the outside is going to create just another faceless city.
0: That was architect Yara Shadif. To understand what people will need physically and mentally in a future Gaza, Layla also spoke to a humanitarian one
2: of the few left in the north of the Gaza Strip where nearly every building is partially or fully destroyed. On a spotty line from his rooftop, Mahmoud Chalabi of Medical Aid for Palestinians tried to imagine a future while living through this war.
3: Now, I'm afraid that there will be no schools for two years to come. So, frankly speaking... I'm not sure what the future is looking like for Gaza. Mm. When is this going to end is the first question that comes to my mind and my wife's mind because we have been exhausted mentally, physically. We need all of us in Gaza, no exceptions. We all need psychiatrists after this war ends because we, we all have mental scars that will last with us for years. However, at Medical Aid for Palestinians, we are doing our best mm-hmm. to try and resume our humanitarian work as much as possible. I'm the only one of all my colleagues who remained in the north of Gaza. However, the needs are humongous, and whatever we do is only going to be a drop in the ocean.
2: Can you tell me a little bit about daily life? What are you going through?
3: You can imagine the horrors. f 16s, arterial cells, sound bombs, quadcopters, you name it. Everything you hear in the news... We have been able to witness, and it was really something out of a horror movie. If I want to describe the daily life routine that I go through. Yeah. So there are no water pipes. There are no electricity pools. There are no mobile phone towers, no electricity. So we have to secure water. We walk hundreds of meters to secure potable water. Water for just washing your body and, you know, for hygienic purposes. And I was speaking today with a technician. And he said it will take up to five years just to return to the previous status quo of having electricity. Wow. So, just we will have to wait five years to have like a single light in our houses.
2: I would love to hear a little bit about the level of need, including mental health care access.
3: Health has collapsed. Mental health is another story. In general, mental health was an ignored issue in Gaza Strip, it is an urgent need. But again, nobody's thinking about it because people are thinking about how to provide water and food for their children. As humanitarians, we need to be able to find secure places and Internet connections, electricity, fuel to run generators and be able to go via taxis from X to Z location and speak with health authorities and all of that, which is mission impossible right now. I barely am able to do it.
2: What are your conversations like with your kids right now?
3: My children have started missing their schools. Mm. They have started missing their friends. Some of their friends have actually died uh, during the war, but we didn't tell them. Mm. Zach, who's nine years old, started asking me, like, can we leave the country then when this is over, which is really tough. He's nine years old. He came to me one day with tears in his eyes and asked me, Dad, have I been a bad boy or not? And I said, no, you have been a great boy. And I said, why are you asking this? Because he said, if I die, will I go to hell or heaven? Hmm. And I honestly didn't know how to answer. And my wife jumped in immediately and she said, we'll all go to heaven, my son.
2: That was Mahmoud Shalabi, Senior Program Manager of Medical Aid for Palestinians Gaza.
0: We'll be right back.
5: Climate change
4: fuels hurricanes. China promises to stop. The big lie persists. Butterflies have hearts. Singers die.
2: Plumbers win. Nurses persevere. Your world speaks. We listen. NPR podcasts. podcasts. More voices, all ears.
4: Find NPR wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We've been hearing Leila Faddle's series of conversations about what a future Gaza will look like once the fighting subsides. For our last look into the future, we're going to hear about hopes for arts and culture in Gaza. Layla spoke to the man who founded Osprey V, Gaza's first rock band.
2: Rajia Jaru also helped cultivate a thriving, creative hub out of his music store. All that is abandoned now. He and his family fled south to try and find safety. Using a foreign e-sim and standing on a ladder, he got enough reception to call us. In the midst of war, he spoke about his hopes for the future.
5: As Osprey, we say uh, we are the voice of the voiceless or we are the tongue of the unheard because there's a lot of stories that you've never seen and you'll never see in the media, but we will highlight as storytellers. Destroy every break of everyone.
2: The whole world is talking about, well, what happens to Gaza when this war is over? And who governs Gaza? And you wrote a song called Home, and in the song you wrote, This land is my home, the world is my home. home. So I want to ask you, you're 31, you're Palestinian, you live in Gaza, you were building a music scene that didn't exist. So when you think of a Gaza after this war, what does that Gaza look like?
5: Gaza is basically like a Phoenix It never dies, Mm. even if you destroy everything within. We have strong faith. We have strong passion. We have strong passion to live. We called our band Osprey. You do uh, know the the Osprey. It's the the kind of the eagle, right? Mm -hmm. One of the birds. It has a lot of pride. It lives in the hardest circumstances. The stereotyping about the Gazan people being poor, stupid, and uh, illiterate and stuff like that is super false. The people of Gaza are more like me more like people that are talking to you right now, more like our music. We're here to participate in our humanity. We're here to participate in being human. This is why we say in home, this land isn't my home, but it's not only the land, it's the dream, it's the broken dream, it's the broken stories. It's the walls, even after all of this destruction that you see in the beginning of the song, we rebuild it again. We'll revive again, and Gaza will stand still, resilient.
2: You're a part of Gaza's culture. Like we talked about, you're building this music scene with other people. I mean, losing all of that, what does that mean for the future of culture in Gaza?
5: We're really trying so hard, actually, uh, to get out of Gaza right now. Not because we hate Gaza, we love Gaza the most. But after this war, and being logical... We worked so hard like for 10 years to build this scene. And even after we lost everything mm-hmm. in here, I don't think I can restart again, especially with the band. I'm 31 right now. I'm not going to start again and just like, okay, build another place and go. A lot. No, we, the, the safest way is actually to go, mm. travel, take this production to the next level and deliver it to the max.
2: So then what does that mean for the future of Gaza if you guys go out and other young, smart, entrepreneurial People like you leave Gaza.
5: The influence we made in Gaza is not something that is based on the person himself being there. It's an idea that we got into the minds of the people here. We're making a legacy. This place is going to flourish. You're going to see other bands than Osprey. We're going to support other bands than Osprey to spread the message and to talk about that. Even if we traveled to facilitate for other people in Gaza here, and to facilitate for ourselves as well. Mm. The idea is an idea, and it grows up, and it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger by the time.
2: That's Raji Aljaru, a musician and co-founder of the rock band Osprey V. Thank you for your time.
5: Thank you so
0: much, Leila. That's The State of the World from NPR. For more coverage of all sides of this conflict, go to npr.org slash Mideast Updates. Thanks for listening. See you again soon.
2: On the Ted Radio Hour, researcher Sasha Lucioni says AI can help us find climate solutions. But just training the technology itself uses a ton of
4: energy. Training ChatGPT, for instance, emits as much carbon as 5 cars in their lifetime. Tech's climate
2: conundrum. That's on the Ted Radio Hour from NPR.
4: This message comes from NPR sponsor Homes.com. The right agent can make or break your home search. That's why Homes.com provides an agent directory that details each agent's experience so you can find the right one and ultimately the right home. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Support for NPR and the following message come from Bombas. Bombas makes absurdly soft socks, underwear, and T-shirts. And for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash NPR and use code NPR.